to the great detectives of old time radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me. Box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you've not already, I do want to encourage you to check out my uh, ebooks. All I Needed to Know I Learned from Columbo and All I Needed to Know I Learned from Dragnet. These books examine the careers and histories of seven great fictional detectives and policemen and life lessons that can be learned from them. They are available wherever fine ebooks are sold or also as an audiobook through audible.com or the Apple Store. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Philo Vance. And I did want to go ahead and note a shift in dates. Uh, we've been uh, going so far off of the uh, log that uh, was based on uh, the run of the series. Uh, as in syndication over uh, Mutual and stations like WGN. That ended after 26 weeks in March of 1947. And now we're on to a run that began in March of 1948 over that legendary station KGO in San Francisco. They played the first 26 episodes and then they played seven episodes after that. So despite the wide gap in dates, there are only two missing episodes between last week's show and this week's. Uh, the original air date on this program, as best we can tell, is October the 7th of 1948, and the title is The Otto Murder Case. <laughs> You, I don't want any trouble from you, hear? We got you cold for breaking and entering, and I could put you in jail and keep you there forever if I wanted to. You'd be an awful sorry guy if you did, Sergeant Heath. You coop me up before I get a chance to talk to the district attorney, and you'll be awful unhappy. The district attorney's got nothing to do with this case. You broke into a joint, we caught you, and we're going to send you up. But you did send for Mr. Markham, didn't you, Heath? Yeah, yeah, I sent for him, only he ain't going to be happy being brought down here unless you got a good reason. I got a great reason. Wait till he hears what it is. Hello, Heath. Oh, hi, Mr. Markham. You asked me to come down here? I'm here. Suppose you tell me what this is about. Yeah, this punk here, he's Joe Farrell, said he had something hot to tell you. What is it, Farrell? Well, D.A., uh, I uh, want you to go easy on me on a kind of... Uh, I got a trade to make. What kind of a trade? I don't like crowds, D.A. This room is uh, too crowded with Heath here. Huh? Uh, ask him maybe if he'd like to hop into the other room for a minute. Okay, okay. But this stooge better have something to say to you. I'll be right next door, Mr. Martin. Thank you, Sergeant. Well, Farrell? Gee, listen. The cops have got me cold on a burglary rap. Okay, I uh, ain't looking to crawl out of that. Only I want him to go as uh, light as possible. I should think you would. I uh, got information I'll hand you if there ain't too much pressure put on me by Heath. We can't make any trades with criminals, Farrell. 
Although, if you know something that might help us, perhaps the judge might be lenient if you throw yourself on the mercy of the court. Yeah, that's okay by me. Uh, listen, Markham, here's the dope. You know the city museum? Very well. Okay. Well, uh, the museum uh, gets a big shipment from some foreign country. I ain't sure where. Uh, and it comes in this afternoon. It comes from some collector who died and willed the whole thing to the joint. Well? Well, uh, one of the things that the museum is going to get ain't what it seems to be. It uh, looks like something, only it ain't what it looks like. You understand? No, I don't. Uh, okay, I'll hand it to you this way. Uh, there's maybe six or eight things in that collection. Uh, mostly statues and stuff. Only there's something about one of the statues. Really? What? I don't know. It's uh, junk as far as I could find out. All I know is this, that there's guys in town that want that statue, and they want it bad enough to kill for it. Come in. Come in, sir. Master, it is here. It is here. Well, talk, man. Talk. <laughs> Tell me everything about it. Uh, uh, Mr. Peters, I, I wait in the museum until the crates are open. I see it. I see it with my own eyes. It is here, Master. The Bonji, the idol, my tribe worshipped. We will get from the museum, no? Three years I've trailed that statue from one end of the globe to the other. Now it is within reach. The Bonji... Sit down, Linga, sit down. Yes, master. We make plans to get the bungee. Careful plans, Ringai. The most careful plans man ever made. This is the high point in my entire life. Understand that. Uh, Nothing must go wrong. You will plan well, carefully, and quickly. It is good. Soon my tribe will be at peace within themselves. Soon I bring back to them the bungee. Tonight... We will get it, Ringai. Right now. I'm sure I'm going to need this. What you get from the drawer, Master? This. Ringai, the Bonji is a thousand years old. Stolen from your country. Yes. I will return this ancient masterpiece to your people, Ringai. But to do that, it is quite possible that I will need this very modern weapon. This... Automatic pistol. All day I do nothing but open these crates. I'm supposed to be the curator in this museum, and all day I... What are you doing here? Excuse me, Mr. Jasper. You are Mr. Jasper? Yeah, sure, my name is Jasper. Who are you? What are you doing in the museum? No one's allowed in here at this hour. I've done a lot of things in my life that no one has been allowed to do, Mr. Jasper. My name is Carter, Enid Carter. Well? I want that statue in the corner. That ugly copper thing, the bungee. I'm sorry, it's not for sale. You've got to leave here, Miss Carter. Regulations. I have no interest in regulations. I want that statue, do you understand? It's thousands of years old. It's been worshipped by generations of natives. I must have it for my collection. I'm sorry, Miss Carter. There's nothing I can do for you. I can't sell it to you. It just isn't for sale. And you'll have to leave here now. 
I've got to get the rest of this stuff uncredited before I can go to bed. And I'm tired. Listen, Mr. Jasper, listen closely. I want that statue, the Bonji. I must have it. I'll pay you for it. More money than you've ever seen in your whole life. I don't know why everybody wants the Bonji. It's only an ugly piece of copper. What? Who else wants it? Tell me, man, who else was here asking about the Bonji? A fellow named Peters called up on the phone about it a little while ago. You know him? He mustn't have it. Whatever you do, you mustn't sell it to him. Miss Carter, I can't sell it to anybody. It belongs to the museum, and the museum has decided it is not for sale. I don't care what the museum has decided. I'm going to have that statue before Mr. Peters or anyone else gets it. I'm going to have it, and I'd just like to see anyone stand in the way of my getting it. Hurry, please, hurry. Well, what is it? What's the idea of waking me up at this hour? You're Mr. Jasper, the curator of this museum? Yes, what about it? You woke me up, do you realize that? I tried to wake you. I've been banging on the door for 20 minutes. I sleep upstairs. What do you expect me to do? Apologize for not being awake at this time of night? What is it you want? Well, Mr. Jasper, I'm Maurice Abbott, the art dealer. You know my gallery on Madison Avenue. Yes, well... You have an ugly copper statue here, valueless, except as a relic of native rituals. I want that statue. You mean the bonds? That is correct. I just heard it arrive today, and I came down here to, to make a deal with you. I don't make any deals, Mr. Abbott, and you can't buy the bonji in any event. It isn't for sale, and you're the third person tonight who's tried to buy it. Well, I'll offer you more than they did. I'll top their best bid. please, go away and let me sleep. The bonji is not for sale. At least let me look at it. Let me see it. Go away. Good night, Mr. Abbott. Come around in the morning when the museum will be open. Don't, don't close this door on me. I want to talk to you, Mr. Jasper. Not tonight anymore, you don't. I'm going to bed. Going to bed, is he? I trust his sleep is not interrupted. <laughs> Milo Vance speaking. Vance, Markham. Well, hello, Markham. I've been wondering when I'd hear from you. This isn't a social call, Vance. The way I feel about you, Markham, and about your job as district attorney makes it questionable to me whether I prefer your social or professional calls. That's quite complimentary, Vance. (laughs) Perhaps the purpose of this call might return that compliment. There's been a murder down at the city museum, and we need help. Delighted that you do, Markham. Who was killed? Well, Vance, it seems that a native idol was delivered to the city museum yesterday afternoon. Uh-huh. The curator of the museum, a Mr. Jasper, had reported an art dealer named Abbott unusually interested in it. Yes, go on, Markham. The statue was called the Bonji, a small copper figure. Sometime during the night, an art collector named Enid Carter was found murdered near the statue. Enid Carter? Not the social registrar. The same, Vance. She was shot to death. Well... Now, what she was doing there, or who killed her, we don't know. Is there anything about the case the police do know, Markham? Yes. A stool pigeon Sergeant Heath picked up yesterday told me that he knew there would be an attempt to steal one of the pieces in the museum. Really? Well, perhaps Miss Carter interrupted someone's plans, and in the interrupting, met her death. That seems reasonable, Vance. Will you meet me at the museum? Will I, Markham? I assure you, nothing can keep me from keeping that meeting. Come right into this room, please, Mr. Jasper. Mr. Vance would like to talk to you. Yes, Mr. Lockman, of course. 
Hello, Mr. Jasper. Please sit down. Thank you. I've been looking over your papers on that shipment that came to this museum yesterday, Mr. Jasper. I think the statues, or rather one statue, has a direct bearing on the death of Miss Carter. She probably broke in here last night after the museum was closed, Mr. Vance. I know there was no one here when we locked up. How she got in or why, Mr. Jasper, may or may not be important. Uh, Markham, did you ever hear of the Bonji before today? No, Vance, I'm sorry, I didn't. If Mr. Jasper will correct me if I go too far astray. Oh, yes, of course. The Bonji was a native idol stolen from a tribe many years ago. According to these papers which arrived with the Bonji, it is copper, stands three feet high on a base a foot square, and weighs 3,500 pounds. Hmm, rather heavy, I'd say. Copper is quite heavy. Have you anything to add to what I've said, Mr. Jasper? No, I think not. Except that Mr. Abbott, the art dealer, was very insistent on purchasing the Bonji. I've already told Vance that. Now, Vance, I know you haven't seen the statue yet. But have you anything to tell us? I think so. I think I can tell you why the Bonji was wanted, and in so doing, tell you the reason Miss Carter was killed. You know that, Mr. Vance? Vance, you can't possibly. You haven't even seen the statue or the body. That's true. I didn't look at the body because Sergeant Heath had already examined it. And Sergeant Heath is very thorough. I didn't see the Bonji because there was no need to see it. You see, I know that it wasn't copper at all, but solid gold. Oh, you know the Bonji is gold, Vance. How could you possibly know that? By the weight, Markham, a statue three feet high and one foot square makes three cubic feet of statue. Copper weighs 500 pounds a cubic foot. Then if the Bonji were copper, it should weigh 1,500 pounds. That's right. But the Bonji weighs 3,500 pounds. Therefore, it isn't copper. Gold weighs approximately two and a half times as much as copper, hence my deduction. Vance, when will you ever stop astounding me? Never, I hope. <laughs> now let's look at the bungee and see whether... What's that? Shots undoubtedly. Sergeant Heath or his men are shooting at something. Come on, Vance. I'm right with you, Markham. There's Heath at the window, firing at something on the outside. Yes, I know. Heath, Sergeant Heath, what's happened? Hello, Vance. Hello, Heath. Who was it got away? Search me. Two guys must have been hiding in this joint. Thought they saw a chance to sneak out the window a couple of minutes ago. I spotted them, yelled to them to stop, but they wouldn't, so I fired at them. Did you hit them, Heath? No, I don't think so. I think they made it okay. I saw them get in their car and beat it. Well, things certainly are getting complicated on this case, aren't they, Vance? Quite a bit. Complicated for you, Vance? <laughs> what should I say? Wait till the papers hear about this. Imagine what happens to me when I gotta tell them that Miss Carter's murderers were here, sneaked right out under my nose, and I can't find them. Well, if that's all that's troubling you, Heath, forget it. Huh? When the reporters ask about the shooting, tell them just one thing, and they won't annoy you any further. Huh? What's that one thing? Mr. Markham can probably tell you. Can you, Markham? Why, yes. Only for the life of me, I don't know how you can do it. Uh, Heath, tell the reporters that Philo Vance can produce the two men who just escaped from this museum. Uh, is that right, Vance? Yes, Markham. That is precisely what I want Heath to tell the reporters. This is District Attorney Markham. The idle murder case began before there was a murder. It seems that several people, among them Maurice Abbott, an art dealer, and Enid Carter, wanted the bungee, a native idol supposed to be copper, but which actually is gold. 
Philo Vance reasoned it was gold, and subsequent tests proved him right. After Miss Carter was found dead, two men were seen fleeing from the museum, and Vance announced that he would produce them despite the fact that he hadn't even seen them. <laughs> Only Vance could possibly make a statement like that. And it is some time later that he has gone to his office. Vance has... Read it again, will you please, Miss Deering? What's the matter, Vance? My diction bad or my voice so pleasant you just like to hear it? I'd like to be absolutely certain of what the newspaper says, that's all. No criticism, no compliment. That's my boss. Mm. Okay, here we go. Just the headline and the subhead will do. Right. It says, Police say Philo Vance can produce mystery men. Subhead. Famous private investigator believed to know identity of two men who fled from City Museum in hail of shots. Period. More? No, that ought to be quite sufficient, thank you. Dan, since when have you become mysterious? If you knew who those men were, why didn't you tell Mr. Markham? They're probably the same men who killed Miss Carter. Possibly. Well, then why don't you tell who they are? I never said I knew who they were, Miss Deering. I said I could produce them, and I can. In fact, I think they'll produce themselves right here in my office. I'd like to bet they don't. Uh-uh. That's off. It wouldn't surprise me if those were the two men, Miss Deering. Let them in, please. I'll be in my private office. I'll do it. Only I have a hunch I'm going to be sorry. Forgive me, my dear, but uh, this is the office of Milo Vance. Yes, it is. Come in, please. Thank you. Come in, guy. Yes, master. My dear, I must see Mr. Vance. Monsieur. He's not only in, but unless I'm mistaken, he's expecting you. Go right into his private office. Oh, go right in. Thank you, my dear. Thank you very much. Oh, it's all quite all right. All part of a day's work. Uh, wait out here, Ringa. I shan't be long. Yes, master. Hey, you're not going to leave him out here with me. I assure you, my dear, you're quite safe. Wait for me, Ringa. Yes, master. Mr. Vance? Come in, sir. Mr. Vance, you know me, sir? I know who you are. Perhaps the formalities of an introduction might be in order, though. Please sit down. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Mr. Vance, I am Jonathan Peters, world traveler, lecturer. Authority on native art. I know of you, Mr. Peters. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Mr. Vance, according to the newspapers, you knew it was I who was seen fleeing from the city museum early today. I've come to ask you, sir, to implore you not to reveal my identity. You realize that a young lady was murdered in the museum you were seen leaving? I had nothing to do with her death, I assure you, sir. And I have here my personal check made out to you for $25,000. The check would be in lieu of my not revealing your identity to the police. Exactly. For the sake of your conscience, you might know that my friend and I did not kill Miss Carter. We were in the museum to see the Bonji, and then she was shot. But the alarm was sounded so soon. The officer on the street came in so quickly we could not escape. We waited our chance and tried to get out while you were in the museum. Apparently, you saw us. We'll let it go at that. Your story may or may not be correct. But tell me something, Mr. Peters. Do you know the history of the Bonji? Of course I do, sir. It was stolen many years ago from a native tribe. I have pledged to return it to the natives, one of whom accompanied me here. That's the only story you know about it? Precisely, sir. The only one. The fact that it's supposed to be copper but is actually solid gold means nothing to you? You know that, sir? 
You're a brilliant man, Mr. Vance. I'm brilliant enough to telephone the police and have them take you in, Mr. Peters. Put down that phone, Mr. Vance. Put it down. Please, sir. Excellent backing you have for your instructions, Mr. Peters. This gun? Obvious. But like myself, Mr. Vance. Purposeful. Helps me get into places and, as now, out of them. Please don't move, sir. I'm sorry to have to leave like this. But before I go, I beg you to reconsider calling the police. It will necessitate a return visit to you from my friend. This gun. Intermediately. You're a clever man, Mr. Vance. Be a smart one, sir, I beg of you. Do not call the police. Do you deny, Mr. Abbott, that you threatened the museum curator, Mr. Jasper, when he would not sell the bonji to you for your gallery? Well, do you? I have nothing to say, Mr. Markham. You will have something to say, I'm sure, Mr. Abbott. Mr. Jasper here is ready to swear you first tried to bribe him, and then you threatened him when he told you he could not sell you the bonji. Yes, he did. I swear he did, Mr. Markham. Very well, I did try to bribe Jasper here, and I did threaten him. I wanted the statue. No doubt you did, Mr. Abbott. Oh, hello, Vance. Hello, Markham. Mr. Jasper, Mr. Abbott. Vance. Well, Markham, we're approaching what in Western moving pictures is generally referred to as a showdown. You see, I know who murdered Miss Carter and why Mr. Abbott's interest in the bungee was so acute. You're not going to frame me for this. You're not... Grab him, Jasper. You're nearest him. I'm coming to help. Hold on. Now, Mr. Abbott, I think you'd better be better off sitting down and telling us all about this. Before Vance does. Feel like talking, Mr. Abbott? No. No, I don't, and I never will. Go ahead if you can prove I killed Enid Carter. I dare you. Try to prove I murdered her. Well, Vance, that's the city museum right ahead of us. Yes, it is. You didn't ask Sergeant Heath and me to come here with you, merely as bodyguards, did you? No, Markham, I didn't. Well, I'm glad of that. I'd like to put this body of mine in a big bed and guard it with a couple of blankets. No lullaby, Heath. Oh. Vance, why did you have the city museum closed to the public for the past few hours? Obviously, because I wanted no one to be there except whoever it is who will try to steal the bungee. Somebody's going to try to steal that statue tonight? Perhaps. They know the museum is unguarded, and I believe that time is effective, and the attempt will be made tonight. You have the door key, Margaret. Yes, of course, right here. Open quietly, please. All right. If I'm not mistaken, we are about to interrupt the theft of the bungee. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can't know that. I don't know it, Heath, but I merely think it. I believe I saw a flashlight hit a window a second ago. A flashlight carried by somebody inside the museum. Well, Markham? I'm a little slow because I'm trying to do this as quietly as possible. There. Here we are. Vance, I see it, Markham. The flashlight at the other end of this hall. Close the door, Heath, please. Quietly. I've got my finger on the light switch. Right. What's that noise, Vance? Winches, Markham. The bungee is heavy and unwieldy and has to be raised mechanically. Well, Heath, I think we're about to catch our thief. Same guy who murdered that Enid Carter dame? Perhaps. Ready, Heath? Me and my gun are both ready. Throw the switch, Vance. Here goes. Stand where you are, whoever you are, or I fire. Come on, Markham Vance. Who is it, Vance? Can you make him out? I know who he is. Put that body on the floor in the corner. Okay, you. Get your hands up and turn this way. Get him up. All right, all right. Only don't shoot. It's Jasper, the curator of this museum, Vance. I knew that. I'm much more interested in this body. 
Markham's Jonathan Peters. What? He's still breathing. Heath, keep Jasper covered. All right. Come over here, Markham. I'm with you, Vance. He's dying. I know he's dying, but I didn't kill him. I swear I didn't Shut kill... up, you. We got you cold trying to steal the statue, ain't we? Yes, maybe you have, but that man is dying. Only I didn't kill him. I found him that way when I came down here. Oh. All right, Jasper, we'll get to you later. Something. I think Mr. Peters is trying to say something, Markham. Oh. Bend down here with me. Right. I can't. Hello, Mr. Peters. Oh, Vance. You find me in a sorry state, sir. A sorry state indeed. Who did this to you, Mr. Peters? That native boy I had with me. Ringai. He found I was trying to obtain the Banshee. Not for his tribe, but for myself. We'll pick that boy up in a hurry, Vance. Is there anything we can do for you, Mr. Peters? For me, sir? Nothing. This is not quite the idea of the way I should prefer to die. So near... A fabulous fortune. It's all very near. Fate has made a decision. And I shall abide by it, gentlemen. Yes. I shall. Uh. Don Markham. I believe you can charge Mr. Jasper here with murder. I? Well, you know I didn't kill him. He told you that. I heard him. You, you don't believe I killed him, do you? You can't. I didn't say you killed him, Mr. Jasper. I said you could be charged with murder. You see, I've known all along you killed Enid Carter. If you think I'm going to ask you a single question, you're nuts. Very well, Sergeant Heath. Suppose we leave it at that. Ah, uh, wait a minute. J- just one minute and uh, maybe one question. <laughs> How did you know Jasper killed that Miss Carter? Well, Heath, I'll tell you. To begin with, he knew the weight of that statue, the bungee. Knowing it, he knew it wasn't copper, but gold. And, as such, worth a fortune. Mm. That still don't tell me where Miss Carter comes in. Or that Peters guy and his stooge either. Or Abbott. They all come in together, Heath. They all wanted the bungee. Miss Carter wanted it so much that the night of her death, she came to the museum to make a deal with Jasper to steal it. But apparently she came into the museum while Mr. Jasper was trying to do that very thing for himself, and she caught him at it. But Peters and the native were there, too. That's right. But fortunately for them, they hadn't gotten into the room where the bungee was kept. They were in another room when they heard shots. The policeman came tearing in, discovered the body. They couldn't get out until the next day. You see, they were hiding in the museum. Yeah, but if they couldn't get out, how could the murderer? He couldn't either. That's how I knew it was Jasper. His living quarters were upstairs. He got up there in time to be presumably awakened by the police. Mm, And Abbott, the art dealer? Completely innocent, although he was working for Peters. And Peters had threatened his life if Abbott revealed Peters' identity to us. Uh That accounts for his attitude while we were questioning him earlier today. I guess it does. (laughs) Hey, Vance, I promised you I wouldn't ask any questions. I bet I asked a million, huh? (laughs) It's all right, Heath. I enjoyed answering them. I like to make statements, you see. Statements such as... This is the end of the idle murder case.
Welcome back. I was disappointed that the curator did it because he was the character I most related to with his goal of getting a nap and going to sleep. Such a relatable character. Too bad he turned out to be the bad guy. I also have to appreciate the level of laziness on the script in terms of naming an origin point for the artifact. It's as if there was a conversation about uh, the writing of this. Okay, so what tribe are we going to say this came from? Well, I don't feel like doing research about the tribe. It's not going to come into the solution. Well, why don't we make up a fake tribe? Well, I don't feel like making up a fake tribe. It's not really going to matter. So we'll just say it comes from a tribe somewhere. Also, given the size of the statue, one thing that stands out is nobody really had a good plan for getting it out of there. I mean, I think there were four different people that wanted it. Uh, the guy who actually legitimately intended to buy it I'm sure he could have made arrangements, but the other three folks, one of them had another person to help, and that was about it. And that was not going to be enough. And of course, you have the idea conveyed by Vance that the statue was pure gold. Uh, and I think that uh, we actually had someone email back, it was a couple years ago, about a, a gold object much smaller than 3,500 pounds and how impractical that would be. So most likely this statue would not have been pure gold and therefore would not have weighed 3,500 pounds it would be probably part gold and part something else. So Philo Vance's big deduction about the size of the statue doesn't make sense. It may be, in the words of Casper Gutman from the Maltese Falcon, mathematically correct, but practically nonsensical. And that leads me to an email from longtime listener Blaine, who writes uh, regarding the Rumba murder case. Hi, Adam. I wanted to add some points to your qualms about the solution to the latest Philo Vance case. As a reminder for the listeners, this is the one where Philo solved the case with math. The killer and the dancer who provided his alibi claimed to have danced together for three hours, but they only turned in enough tickets to account for two hours. While I agree with your criticism about how easy it would have been for any police officer to solve the case, that's not what bothered me the most. I felt uh, that would have been a virtually impossible alibi to set up. Would the criminal have overlooked something so obvious and not submitted the 20 additional tickets to cover that up? Even if they did, wouldn't the dancer's employers notice that she wasn't dancing for the hour? Did she leave the dance floor or just sit everything out? Uh, where was she when she was supposed to be setting up the alibi? As a math teacher, I like the idea of solving crimes with math. But this is something better suited to the MathNet section of the Square One show I watched growing up rather than this. At least MathNet, a blatant spoof of Dragnet, in which Detective Kate Monday, George Franklin, and later Pat Tuesday used math to solve uh, crimes. Uh, was always about the math first and treated the solutions as a matter of routine. As you pointed out, this is not an appropriate 
solution for a case that requires bringing in a superstar detective from outside the department. Well, thank you so much, Blaine. I appreciate your comments. And yeah, there were multiple problems with that alibi. Your mention of MathNet warmed my heart because that was something that I watched growing up as well. In fact, in a roundabout way, it kind of led me into uh, old-time radio podcasting because I saw MathNet before I ever saw Dragnet. MathNet made me interested in Dragnet. Uh, in the 1960s TV show, which made me interested in the 1950s TV show, which made me interested in the radio show, which led to me getting interested in all sorts of uh, detective programs. So it was such a catalyst, and I absolutely adored that uh, program. And I was always a bit into math as a kid and loved Square One. Some of the things they had on there, the song 8% of My Heart, classic, classic stuff. You can find a lot of it on YouTube. And you know, with all of the revivals out there, we could really stand a revival of Square One TV, or at the very least, MathNet. Here in the United States, we have such a challenge in STEM education that something that made math fun and engaging for a new generation would be really worthwhile. I'm getting all worked up about this, but I better wait until after the baby comes before I start thinking about a Kickstarter. Thanks so much for the comments, Blaine, and for the wonderful memory. Really appreciate it. Now, it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you so much to James, Patreon supporter since February of 2020, currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support, James. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to rate and review it wherever you're downloading your podcast from. Next Thursday, we'll return with another episode of Philo Vance. Join us back here tomorrow for an adventure with the man with the action-packed expense account where... I put on my hat and coat, crossed the room, and opened the door to go out into the hall. But I didn't make it. There, standing on the other side of the door, about to knock, were two ugly-looking men dressed in loud jackets. Your name Dollar? Yeah. Mind if we come in? What'd happen if I did? We'd come in. That's what I thought. Then why'd you ask? I make little bets with myself. I want to talk with you for a few minutes, Dollar. Okay. What are you doing in New York? It's a nice town. Want some advice? Not especially. Make a little bet with yourself. You're going to get it anyway. I'm a lap in front of you. Then here it is. When Bert asks you a civil question, give him a civil answer. Okay. Ask me a civil question, Bert. What are you doing in New York? It's a nice town. <coughs> oh! Why, you... Hold it. You just belt you again. With a broken arm? <laughs> You're pretty tough, huh? All in how you look at it. If breaking his arm is being tough, then... That's the best name for it. Okay. We don't want any trouble. <laughs> That's a funny line. I won't ask you no more questions. That'll save some time. I'm just going to tell you. Lay off a Nelson, Kelly. Understand? Yeah. You said lay off the Nelson killing. Good boy. Because if you keep nosing around, somebody will just have to come down and investigate the dollar killing. Understand? Yeah. 
You said somebody will just have to come down and investigate the dollar killing. Fine, fine. Now that you understand, we'll be going. Nice meeting you both, informally, like this. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become uh, one of our friends on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.